Big reports on Sony? The Last of Us remade already? Um, hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to episode 100 and... Uh, no? 200. 200 and 7. <laughs> 207. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you right this now, This is Triangle guys. Square, the PlayStation podcast, and we are in disarray. We're going off the cuff. Uh, I, I think we can go ahead and tell you, this is not going to be a completely normal episode. Not at I'm all. I'm going on vacation this week, so we're recording a day early. Uh, and as a means to get it done quicker so I can go ahead and get moving out and Saul can get on with the stuff he's going to do while I'm out and about having fun. Um, I'm have we, fun too. Yeah, you will. You will. We're going to have different types of funs in different locations. But I'll, I'll be looking at you. You look up at that moon. And I'll know that you aren't watching it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a different show today. We're going to kind of focus on one topic and kind of let that be it. It could end up being a shorter episode. It very likely will end up being a shorter episode so that I can get out and driving because I have a very long drive. But we wanted to make sure we didn't miss an episode for you guys since we've had tech problems and whatnot that have killed those in the past. We try our best to keep this show running every week. And we appreciate you guys for helping support the show and always listening in. So we hope you're doing well. We are going to still start this show off the time-honored tradition way. Uh, Saul, have you been playing any of the games? Of the games that you've played, what are they? So I beat I beat Monster Hunter Rise, but that was kind of earlier in the week. Um, so did you determine whether it was like a soft beat? or? It- yeah, it's still, it's still kind of like you beat the last boss, and then there are still many monsters that you haven't fought yet. Yeah, but is there like story after, or like a mild story that's just like, hey, this is what's going on, or is it basically missions? I haven't played that much after I beat it. Um, I've been kind of preoccupied with something else, but um, I did play like three or four hours after, and there is stuff that keeps going on, like uh, uh, you could do more Rampage stuff now. Or at least I feel like you can, which is like the tower defense little mini game they have. Oh, that's what it's um, called. Yeah, okay. and of course, like I beat the main. The, there's two. There's separate kinds of quests. There's the hub quest, and then there's the village quest. The village quest is the main story. Well, the hub quest is, I believe, where you get into like high rank stuff. So like, there's still a lot of content left for me to dive into, um, and I still plan on doing so. Actually, a little bit today, um, but I really enjoyed the the you know the the amount of it that i've played so far i don't really plan on stopping yet um i just want to take a break because ryan let me know that i that ghost recon breakpoint was 15 dollars, and i enjoyed the little free trial they gave you they give you like a seven hour free trial that you can play any you know up to any amount of the story i didn't realize it was that long i played the beta yeah and uh it's seven or eight hours it's you get a good little chunk of time to play it and honestly, I'm having the same kind of fun with it that I had with Metal Gear Solid Five, in terms of it not only being a really good stealth game, but the fact that it is open world and you can kind of do missions in any way you want. And not only that, but I am a sucker for stealth games that give me a variety of ways to tackle a objective. And just like last night I was playing it and... I came across this facility. There's like a casualty that like you're not supposed to kill, and it's it's kind of an odd facility. I don't really know what it's meant to be. It's like a concrete uh, construction area. So there's like a lower level that's kind of underground, but then there's a the top level. And like I literally 
uh, kind of went prone in the grass, did the prone camo, which you cover yourself up with mud, and I let a drone out, and I kind of flew around with a drone. And I haven't figured out if there's a way to definitively mark enemies so that I know where they are when I get out of the drone, but I can at least get a kind of a, a view on where enemies are. And I kind of just did that, and I ended up failing the mission because um, I killed the I killed the civilian by an accident, and it's just it's just fun. I like games like that. It it is very reminiscent of Metal Gear Solid Five. It is very reminiscent of a Splinter Cell game, a SOCOM game. The story is not great by any means. <laughs> um, it's kind of a very cliche war story or army story, marine story, whatever you know, like whatever that kind of story is considered. Where like you know you're flying to an area and then you all oh, your helicopters get shot down and your brother in arms are dead but then there's some that are alive and you got to go find them. It's kind of a very cliche thing in that. And then there's a guy that you're not you're not sure if he's a wall or at least from what I can manage uh, or at least from what I can tell from the actual main missions that I've played. I haven't played that many, uh, but it seems like there's a anti-hero that you're not sure if he's good or bad or if he's behind all this and. Um, it's interesting. Like there is a subset of missions that I was doing um, where they have three different subsets. They have like a main storyboard. Then they have like season two, which is like all recon stuff. And it actually has Sam Fisher on like the little promo art. Oh. So I'm assuming like the first mission, the one I was talking about where I accidentally killed the civilian for beating it. You get Sam Fisher's goggles, which are pretty cool. Um, it'd be even cooler if they let you use night vision, which I don't think they do, but I'll find out. And like not only do you have the goggles, you have their actual purpose, like their functionality. Yeah, and I don't have anything like that yet. So when it's night outside, I kind of just have to watch out for patrols that use their flashlights because they kind of hit surfaces with them. Well, and that would be real motivation to actually do the mission the way that you are supposed to or whatever. Because realistically, you know, which I guess it depends. You're saying if you beat the mission at all or if you beat it in a certain way. Um, it, I mean, <clears> if you beat it a certain way. I mean, at all. But, like, that's the thing that that game, you can't. I say you can't. It's hard to play that game as a running gunner. You have to kind of take your time with it, which sure. is what I like. Yeah. Because if you just run in and you get seen by one enemy, they'll radio or yell, and every enemy will know where you're at. And there are ways to get away from them, and they'll they'll lose interest like any other game in the world does. But like that game is is pretty realistic to the point of like one enemy that can catch you from behind and just start spraying at you, you're probably not going to make it out of there alive. Because the fact that you have to turn around and shoot him, you have to do it so quickly and precisely, they're at least going to injure you to make you use a med kit or something, which will also take like eight seconds out of your time to sit there and heal. And if you're in the middle of a firefight with other enemies, you're not going to make it out. Yeah. And stuff like um, uh, attack helicopters, if they get called in on the area, they will cut you in half. Like they will just they will just sit there and mow you down no matter where you're at. So you have to kind of run and make cover. And they have like these little futuristic tanks that kind of roam around too, that are really rough to beat. But realistically it's, it's pretty good. Co- it's pretty fun. And well, it sounds like it's got, which I, it's, I should go ahead and say, it's clearly a little different by nature of the big open world. And I didn't play, um, wildlands, the ones that was before this, but you know, I remember feeling like at the time, the game felt like the division in a lot of ways, but without necessarily the same bullet sponge feel of the division. That's that's what I like about it. I liked the gameplay of division. <clears throat> I liked the way that you can customize your weapons and put silencers on stuff and customize the guns and, and make your character look all cool as you want and go around and play with friends. It's like that, but it is in a islandy um, area and 
it is not bullet spongy at all compared to Division. Like, well, and if you're going to do it, right? Because you, you talked about those like tanks that are hard to beat and whatnot, but that's things that make sense to be hard to beat. I think one of the things about the Division that's weird is like you come across a normal dude with like a hazmat suit on and it takes like five minutes worth of shooting him to kill him. Right. And, and it, that's not in this game. And there it are, feels like, why is that th- a thing? There are enemies in this game. And I, okay, I can't speak for the full game, obviously, like the rest of the game, because I'm only like four hours in, five hours in. But so far from all the content I've seen, any normal patrolling enemy can just be headshot and killed instantly. There are armored enemies that wear helmets that you have to shoot the helmet once and it pops the helmet off, then you have to shoot them in the head and it kills them. Okay, but, so kill zone, great. Yeah, um, there are other enemies that are CQC-based, um, like uh, experts or whatever, and those have helmets that you can't knock off at all, but they have exposed other parts of their bodies that you shoot and kill. Yeah. It's... It is not bullet spongy in the slightest from what I've seen. It's just more of a normal shooter game in terms of having the ranking of enemies. Because you do want those challenging enemies, but you want them to be challenging for a way that makes sense within the story. Is that Uh, a Predator mask? It looks like it. But um, I confirmed you can use the Sam Fisher goggles uh, like you can in the game. Well, good. What I was getting at with that is that these would be the kind of things, and the game very well may do this, but this would be the thing where you can give like... um, uh, what would you call it? Like special objectives to where if you can complete the mission in a certain way, you'll get items that give you actual functionality. Cause a lot of times people like uh, games will be, Oh, if you do it in this way, we'll give you this cosmetic item. And it's like, why would I be drawn to get a cosmetic item for doing it this way? I would rather get something that has functionality. I otherwise wouldn't get. Well, see something that's cool is that in that, um, like assassination thing. I'm not sure what it is is exactly called, but um, there is an enemy that you kill called Harpy, and he's like this drone piloter. Um, and he, he, you get his his uh, armor and his helmet for beating um, for for killing him. And th- I did it because it purely just looks awesome. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing special about his outfit or anything like that, but I thought it looked cool, so I went ahead and did it anyways. Um. But it is cool to see that Sam Fisher goggles have something. But yeah. I plan on playing with Ryan at some point um, soon. Um, so if anybody wants to play uh, Wildlands with us, um, not many people break know point. this. Or Breakpoint. Not many people know this. This might be a, a cool information for you if you just want to play with us. You can download the free trial, and you have up to seven hours, and you can join somebody and play with them. But from what Ryan told me, you don't have to buy the game at all to play with somebody. You could run out of free trial time, and if you want to play with friends using the beta, you could just hop in with them and play. So it sounds pretty cool, but it seems yeah, because like I own this game and never. Oh, I I played it a little bit, and then like not even an hour, and because it was from the beta, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, and then it just sat there forever. So I finally traded it back in. I got it for like twelve dollars new from Amazon. See, I got it. I got. I wait. I waited for it was on sale just like two weeks ago. I looked at it. I'm like, this is sixty dollars. I don't. I don't want to pay that much. And then Ryan. I was like, it's on sale. So I went and looked, and it was $15. And I actually yeah. really recommend it for $15. You're not going to get a great story out of it, um, in my opinion. But the gameplay is fun. They've updated um, it a ton since launch, too. Because that's one of the things. I got it uh, early last year when it was in one of that low area where the game didn't perform well. They were high, like, heavily discounting it to try and get people to get into it while they were updating it. I hope that that means that the game is doing better in terms of sales for them, for them to have put it on sale for 15 for a temporary time period. Yeah, instead of just doing what it had done, where it was like twenty dollars max for a long time. The subreddit still seems pretty popular, but that's kind of hard to gauge because of the nature of subreddits. Typically, they yeah, are the like nature of small internet. For, yeah, yeah, for a reason. But what have you been playing? Uh, so I bought Monster Hunter Rise, as you are aware, because you were with me when I did it. Yes, on Saturday, and my intention was to start it alongside FIFA. 
I was playing FIFA, screwed around, I was like, oh yeah, they're shutting down the, the store, and I don't know why I was just thinking about Vita. I was like, I wonder if you can still get online on Killzone Mercenary. So I downloaded Killzone Mercenary again um, and decided, okay, let's see what this is about. Logged on and was in an online match within like a minute of uh, matchmaking. I was really surprised. And uh, it ended up being like, oh, do I love this game? And so I decided to do the first mission. The first mission's so fun, and now I've been hooked. So I don't know when I'm going to start Monster Hunter. I don't know. I'm gl- kind of glad. Monster Hunter would have worked too, but I'm kind of glad I'm not in the middle of a console game since I'm about to go on vacation. Yeah. Because I would have been feeling like I'm taking a week away from it, which feels like a lot. I can take my Vita with me and play more Mercenary at night for like an hour or 30 minutes here and there whenever I'm just re- relaxing and resting. So I'm having a great time with that. I loved that game when it first came out. <clears throat> Played a ton of online on it too, so I don't really know how far I am. I'm I'm debating doing platinum on it as well because the I think the only trophy I have online base that I don't have yet is a hundred online matches. Yeah, I, I don't know how close to a hundred I am. Goodness gracious, that's a lot. I don't know if the game even shows you like if you can go in and look at it. Most games don't, which is kind of annoying. But either way. That's pretty much that in FIFA, which is still just uh, two or three games a day while I try and burn through that trophy for all the stadiums. Yeah, because how many do you have left? I'll tell <laughs> you. You have right a list now. of them. And then, like he showed me at work the other day. I'm like, what is that? And it's like a list of stadiums I got to do. I'm like, holy crap. It's like 20. No, it's way more than that. Okay, so it's more than 20. I was like, it, it's, and that's a, that's a lot. Because like, let's say each game seven minutes. I have seven, and every game is set to four-minute halves, so you have two halves, you'd think eight minutes. But any time that the ball's not in play, the clock stops. Yeah. Halftime, of course, adds time. Any time that you goal or they goal, which I normally I, I run in, get one goal, just so I can win without having to tell it to end of the draw as in case. And um, So, yeah, every, every match takes about ten minutes. What Saul? What is so? Okay, so everybody oh, knows. God. Everybody knows that like Phil Spencer leaves Easter eggs on his desk for stuff that he wants to do, and there's a picture of Sean Layden <laughs> one shot in the bottom. I shouldn't say for what he wants to do. That he wants that, to do Sean. That, that made me. That made it a little more inconspicuous. Um, <laughs> for stuff he wants to acquire or work with, and Sean Layden's on his desk. So, yeah, I have seven stadiums. I will get through them, but it's like forty something. And if I would have been paying attention while I was doing every other trophy, I could have knocked out most of that. But alas, here we are. On the good news, Killzone Mercenary is awesome. Uh, absolutely. And I'm playing it at a higher frame rate than 30. I won't say much more than that. <laughs> but it's it's a lot smoother. I was kind of like when I first went back into it, I was kind of like, yeah, the one thing about this game, definitely since I've been playing PlayStation 5, right, is that... I used to, of course, I'd still feel frame drops, and I'd really want a game to not have them, but I could deal with a game being around 28 at a decent bit of the time if it really came down to it. Now that I'm so used to 60, I can play a game at 30 if it's like rock-solid 30, but once it starts kind of dropping below, it is far more noticeable and a little harder to get over. So being able to turn that frame rate cap off on that game and play it... um, at around 40 to 45 pretty consistently is nice because the game doesn't do that thing where it feels like it's hitching. Because once you get really below 30, the reason that's a standard is because it's kind of where you're, it feels smooth to your brain in a way that doesn't feel like the game is literally slideshowing to you. Whereas for some reason, 25 to 28 just really starts to look very quickly like, oh, this is hitching up and not catching. So, right. Yeah, I'm having a good time with that. Um, 
I may still take the Switch with me. I, I don't know. My motivation to play stuff is all over the place in weird ways. I would take the Switch with you just in case if you get a hankering to play Monster Hunter. Just because Monster Hunter, I think you'll have a similar thing with, like uh, you did with Mercenaries. Well, you'll play it, and like the first couple of missions you do, you're like, okay, I'm hooked. Oh, I'm sure, but I think the reason I'm saying I might is because right now I haven't done that. So right now, I don't know why I would have a hankering to play Monster Hunter. Once I start Monster Hunter and yeah. I get that first mission in, I'm probably going to be like, I got to do more of that. Well, uh, that's what I'm saying is is with road trips, I always think of stuff that can I'm driving happen. the whole time. <laughs> well, I mean, when you get there, like when you get there, know. you may be like, hey, I'm kind of, you're not burnt out on mercenaries, but you're kind of like, I want something different. And then th- you have at least the option to start Monster Hunter up. Yes, I started and completed all of um, East Origin when we were in uh, That is a shorter LA. game. <laughs> yeah i downloaded it, it was playing on the plane i was like this game is awesome it gives what seven or eight hours probably yeah it's really it's good, good game. i like that game a lot uh we're gonna go ahead and get into the community community stake which for this week was submitted to us from josh Ayers, and he just kind of submitted it as a general topic but it was a good one to come in and that is what is a long-running game franchise you've never played an entry in um and this one's pretty interesting because I didn't really think about it, but Josh Ayers, of course, came in with a quick answer. He says, I've never played a Madden game. I've played NFL Street back in the day. Game was a blast. And that makes sense because I would imagine that NFL probably doesn't really get published over there because football is not really a thing. Or I should say, hold on, American football is not a thing that I'm aware of outside of the USA, right? Um, is there any other country that does it? I don't know. That's a good question. Because, I mean, you know, r- so. rugby's got similarities to a degree and so it's like rugby rugby is the great in between of soccer and football it would appear but yeah i don't think anybody else does so i started thinking about that there's probably a lot of sports games that are well i shouldn't say a lot there's there's football that's probably very specific is there like basketball leagues outside of america as well uh yeah now that is i don't, I figured know, I don't know if it's like professional but they definitely do play it yeah, yeah. i figured as much i know i've seen um look at yao ming yeah right <laughs> that's a good point actually it's like baseball. A lot of really good baseball players are Japanese. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Uh, it's it's real big in Mexico. It's real big in Japan. Puerto I'm not Rico. surprised. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's the age old thing. But uh, anyway, there's some other ones on here. You want to you want to grab one? Yeah, Blake. Blake actually said a kind of cool answer, and it's almost kind of mine. Is that he he says I think I've played all long running ones. Some only for a very short amount of time. Um, he says, like Final Fantasy, maybe an hour at most, but at least he's tried them all. And that was kind of my thing. When he asked this question, I was thinking, what long-running games have I never played or never had the interest to play? And I and the first one that popped into mind was the Trails series. I've never played a Trails game. But it's really hard for me to sit here and think about a series of games that I've never played that's long-running. Even niche ones like Shin Megami Tensei or Persona. I've at least played some of the entries in those, in those, I say niche. Persona's not really niche anymore. Shin Megami Tensei, I would say, is. But it's it's hard. It's it's really hard for me to think about. Um, I've at least tried everything. But his, that's I liked his answer just because it's a very close mirror of mine. Of if it's a long running series, it typically means it's successful. And I at least want to try it to see what the hype's about. Yeah, I think the part of the reason that gets thrown around right is that a lot of people talk about how much you have access to stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that Blake has said a lot is 
there's a reason some of the reason that people don't do both and have to choose one is primarily budget you know we always talk about the dream setup being or at least for a while the dream setup felt like a ps4 a switch and a pc right <clears throat> but the reality is is that there are people that just can't afford all three of those absolutely yeah and so it's like do they can they even afford two can they only afford one so you end up missing out on stuff because of that and that's just one of those things where over on Facebook, I thought this one was kind of interesting and, and primarily because being a PlayStation gamer doesn't mean one second. <clears throat> Pollen has been kicking my butt lately. Uh huh. Anyway, um, I thought, you know, being a PlayStation gamer, a lot of people think if you're a PlayStation gamer to a degree enough to be kind of enthusiast about it, you've probably played a number of these games, but the reality is, is that for whatever reason, there are people that don't play games, even games that interest them. It's like when you see a movie, like, okay, good, perfect example. I remember seeing the trailer for that Will Smith movie, seven pounds. And I thought that looks really good. I want to see it. I have to this day, never never seen seen that movie Um, for no reason other than that. I just haven't made the time for it. And it slipped through the cracks time and again. So, I like, like this, though. One. Bailey Robertson says uh, over on the Facebook group, the games for me would be Uncharted, Final Fantasy, Metal Gear, and Resident Evil. Those are some big ones. Those are all series with very strong ties to PlayStation. Absolutely. So it's it's interesting to that degree. But, you know, I mean, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I do, too. <clears throat> some people Some people don't like playing some of these like certain titles and a lot of these they are long running and that can actually turn some people off because they don't have to jump into a big lengthy series um speaking of resident evil though rude day says resident evil but recently bought all the games because they're on sale on xbox and he said he'll be starting soon with resident evil zero so yeah i don't really know the uh if, is there like a ideal way to play through the Resident Evil games? Like for, a timeline? There's for two. lore purposes? There's two. One of and the one's really convoluted if I'm Josh might have to correct me. Um but there's 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 a convoluted way to play it, which is kinda like the um Machete order to watch Star Wars, which is like where you watch like episode one, then four, then three, then seven or something. It's weird. Uh, it's a weird order to watch Star Wars, but there's something like that with Resident Evil, if I remember correctly. Um, but then, there, then there's, of course, the chronological order, which I think he is correct. I think that does start at zero. I, I, to me, I mean, that, I would hope. If you name your game Resident Evil Zero, and it's not the first game in the series of events. L- listen to this crazy way to watch this. Um, you watch A New Hope first, and Empire Strikes Back, and then Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, then The Force Awakens... And you do not watch the episode one. What? Yeah. I don't know why. So, first of all, why is it called Machete Order? I don't know. And I, I'm assuming that they don't reference episode one because episode one is the one that most heavily talks about midichlorians. And a lot of people just act like midichlorians are written out from canon. Well, not only that, but it's <clears throat> it's that Star Wars episode one doesn't really contain much any uh, much of anything that is to the critical or grand narrative of Star Wars, which is what this article says. So interesting. I kind of guess. Wanna... I don't know. I guess so because the prophecy that they refer to in one that they're setting up is already clearly you know a prophecy existed because of the original trilogy. Yeah, so, fair enough. Somebody who's watched that before in that order, let us know if it's any good. Um, that sounds so weird. I'm curious if that's going to be a uh, rude, cold thing. He's a big Star Wars fan. I've never played Yakuza. Awesome Dave on Discord. He says the three that I think are the first uh, or think of first are Assassin's Creed, Yakuza, and Mass Effect. I plan on getting in a Mass Effect collection when it comes out later this year, which you absolutely should. And then he says, and uh, eventually getting in a Yakuza. 
I've heard such great things about Yakuza, and everyone I know have played them before has loved them. Also, do not listen to Brett. If you've never played Mass Effect, <laughs> the trilogy, play them. I am super excited. I, I, I will not let this go as hyperbolic. Hyperbolic? Hyperbolic? Hyperbolic. You're hyperbolic. Right. Go ahead. Uh, but I think Mass Effect, in terms of a story, is one of the greatest sci-fi stories in video games ever told. Period. And... I think that playing them in the in this new legendary collection is going to be the best way to play them, obviously, because most of, if not all of, the bugs should be fixed. Keywords there. We're still dealing with Bioware, I think. So <clears throat> be wary. Hashtag boycott Bioware. And look, alliteration for all of you who like that. <laughs> alliteration, my never mind. Uh, Excuse you, sir. This is a family show. Shave Dog comes up with a, a couple of good ones. He's and he actually says that he says I can come up with several franchises I've never bothered with or haven't been intrigued by. He goes on to say Pokemon, which is big. The Sims also big. FIFA I can understand. Animal Crossing, which I can also kind of understand, but also fits in the Sims well. Dragon Ball and Far Cry. No real, really, uh, no real reason on any of them as to why I haven't played them. Typically, something didn't appeal to me aesthetically, which I could actually see. Um, Dragon Ball, though, let us know if you mean like the fighting games or like the story games. I think There's, he probably means all of them. Yeah, I mean, true, because he may not just like Akira Toriyama's art style of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, or he may be above us, and by the time Dragon Ball was going up big here, he was kind of like big guy yelling for multiple episodes across multiple seasons. True. And look, don't get me wrong, I love Dragon Ball. I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on it for that degree, but I think that the older you get, the more that even though there's that nostalgia that pulls you towards it some, and, I'm not, and there are really genuinely good parts. At the end of the day, it is like a never-ending cycle of like, well, it's just some guy who's really strong who has to push everything out of him to get stronger and then do it all again next season. Yep. And and in a different variety of ways. Yeah. And I mean, they, they've tried to subvert it here and there, like what they did with the Cell Saga and whatnot. I mean, that was cool. But then again, right after Cell Saga, they were like, nope, completely forget everything we set up. Right back to Mr. Goku. Mr. Goku's going to be big man. He's going to come back. He's going to be dead. He's going to get strong. He's gonna win. It's honestly Goku has the same flaw that I that I don't like Superman for, and that's that he just gets so strong that it's just kind of pointless. And well, then they, because it, to keep him to keep moving forward with story, what do you do? Yeah, and that's the problem I think is that when there's power levels like that that you just go that high on, you have to find you always find a villain that always can rival him, and then eventually he'll either defeat the villain and he's dead, or that he'll have the villain become an uh, anti-hero with him, in a sense, like they did with Vegeta. Well, I think the thing here, right, is that Dragon Ball is just a little... Um, uh, and I'm, uh, this is... I don't know. This is gonna, I feel like this is going to come off mean, but I don't mean it that way. Dragon Ball storytelling is a lot more simplistic. Typically, what you no, would do is. with a character who is like that and what you try to do with a character like Superman is to write stories about the things that his power can't help solve. Like, no matter what he does, he can't bring people he loves back from the dead. Right. He can't... You know, there are moral dilemmas that come into play, which is like, you know, okay, in a world where Superman exists, do you have a world who's afraid of him? And how do you deal with that? And... That, there's a lot of ways you can tell those stories, and Dragon Ball doesn't typically bother to get into that. So that's and Superman does. Where, whereas with both of them, here, here's a here's another comparing factor I kind of like is that both of them have villains that don't necessarily die because they're both against killing, but that they are uh, all time show victims or uh, villains. They're always there. Lex Luthor is always there. Um, just like. Technically, Frieza <laughs> never goes away. That's true, and I think for a long time, Doctor Jero was the, the the previous one. Doctor Jero always had a hand in something. Yeah. So 
It, I mean, yeah, those types of stories are interesting. I just think that it's a, the crux of both of those two is that people want to watch people fight. And the reality is, is that no matter what you do in a story sense elsewise, you can do good things. But at the end of the day, most people are probably going to be happy if you just string together some reason for a really strong guy to get stronger to beat another really strong guy. Yeah. And I know, yeah, that's cool. Trust me. I understand. Even some of the worst Dragon Ball Z things are still fun because it's just... It's basically Godzilla versus King Kong. Big dude hit other big dude. One person won. Sweet. You know? Um, I like that, though. There's a lot of games in there that uh, I can tell you right now, I've never played an Animal Crossing for more than like three seconds, um, which I'm going to go ahead and say it doesn't count. And I think another game that actually comes up that was mentioned earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Um, do, 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 do. No, it wasn't. I was thinking about it. But that's okay. Oh, you said Persona. Mm-hmm. I've played Persona Four for like the, the Persona Four Golden on Vita for like the equivalent of five minutes. I don't think that that counts. It wasn't the beginning of the game. I picked up uh, Brandon Reptar's Vita, mm-hmm. and it was on there. And I kind of just looked at the menu, went through it, and hit something. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of what I thought it was, and it's not super appealing to me at the moment. So I would say Persona is a big one for me. Uh, I have played Yakuza finally with Yakuza 1. It's the only one I've played in depth. I started Kiwami, uh, not Kiwami, I started Zero. Didn't care much for it for some reason. Then I started the Judge Judgment or Judge Eyes, whatever it's called in Japan, and that wasn't for me either. Uh, but one that was got me thinking here is he said FIFA, and we started talking about sports games. I've never played an NHL uh, NHL hockey game. I have. Yeah, I've never played that. It's been a long, long time, but I have. Um, I think sports games are going to be a far. I've never played a baseball sports game. I have no interest in space uh, in baseball, so I've never played MLB The Show. Um, not a not a series for me, even though I understand that it was a big calling card for Sony as a hey, we have the only licensed baseball game. Um, yeah, this one's kind of interesting. True, uh, one of our longtime listeners, he says, the biggest I can think of would be Ratchet and Clank. I played Jack as a kid, and Ratchet never really appealed uh, to me. For a while, I thought there was a rivalry between Ratchet and Jack, so I was never interested in Ratchet. I could see that. Yeah, I could too. I think that there there was this feeling of rivalry between all three of the big PS2 era mascots, where it was like, who do you like? Are you a Sly Man, a Jack Man, or a Ratchet Man? I was a Jack Man. I liked um, Jack and Daxter is pretty good. Three was fantastic, and, and me and Brett were actually talking about yesterday. Daxter is fantastic. The Daxter PSP is game. so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, anyway, he says. Uh, 2016 looks good, but I never ended up playing it because the people I know who are fans had mixed reactions. Might check it out. Uh, uh, might check out Rift Apart if it reviews well. True, I would say try the 2016 game. The biggest reason that people had mixed reactions is because with it being a reboot and a remaster, kind of half and half, they did take the opportunity to change a little bit of character motivations. And I think some people were disappointed that it felt like it was supposed to be a remake. And in 99% of the way, it feels like it is. Uh-oh. We might lose power. Hope not. Anyway. This might become an audio only. I don't know what just happened. (laughs) Me either. But, yeah, I think you should play it if it looks interesting to you at all. It was free recently. If you have a PS5, if you haven't, trust me, I understand. I think it was part of the uh, play thing, right? So it was PS4 as well. Yeah. Um, And it was on on PS Plus a long time ago before that. Yeah, a year-ish ago. Three years ago, but okay. Was it? Yeah. Dang, Tom flies. Yep, so you should get around to it, but that's interesting. I, I could see that Sony's own little mini rivalry, because I was a, as much as I liked Jack, 
and I liked Ratchet, I was a big Sly Cooper fan, and I still am a big Sly Cooper fan. And I would say of those three, Sly reigns supreme. But clearly, that's not the what the market thought. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Sucker Punch wanted to move on. Yeah. Thankfully, Insomniac has always made Ratchet and seem to have always will be the ones to make Ratchet. So good for them. Speaking of all three of those, do you remember that? You, you may not have because you weren't in the PS3 at the time. I don't think at least. Uh do you remember PS Move Heroes? No. Okay, let me show you real quick. PS Move Heroes was a game for the PS Move that brought all three of Jack, Daxter, and Sly together in a single game. And you had, of course, Clank. You had our old Otzel friend Daxter here. And you had Bentley. And they were like support people. And all three of these people played in a single game. And I never played it. I yeah I never heard of it, but I don't want I, I want to say I don't think it reviewed very well. I like how Richard Rivero he he on Twitter he said and watch this while I say this all he had to say was a lot. Which my boy, if you're gonna sit here and talk about um, if you're gonna sit here and talk about games like that, you got to tell us who they are um, and what they a are. Lot. <laughs> yeah, I laughed when I saw it. I did too. Uh, it's very fitting for his nature. Um, uh, last one on Discord we have Rob Henry, a Patreon that we love and. A good old person who likes to jump in and talk to us a lot. So he says he's never played Halo, which I think is something you could fix easily if you had an Xbox because they're on Games Pass. I think you get the Master Chief Collection for free, which is all of them. Um, (laughs) All the ones worth playing. Don't play five. Um, But also speaking of Halo, hold on. I think we do have another Halo one um, here. It was in Twitter. Yeah, it was Uh, Sean Sanarud. He said, I've never never owned an Xbox uh, since this last week. And then he says, that's why he hadn't played Halo until a few days ago. And then he says, the next franchise I've never played is Gears of War. This will be rectified over the next few weeks thanks to Games Pass, which is where that is pretty cool. While we're talking about Games Pass and we're talking about an Xbox and things that you like, Sean, I think you would really like Quantum Break. Go play that. Uh, That's the Remedy Entertainment game that they did before Control that was an Xbox exclusive or Xbox PC exclusive. That game is really interesting. Uh, it's the one that has like the TV show tie-in, but I think you'd really enjoy it. And that's another good one. If you've also never played Fable, I would yes. suggest because you have the Series S. So I think that the – it may not be quite 4K. I can't remember. There was something with the Series S. It may not have the Fable Series X upgrades. I can't confirm. But even then, Fable Anniversary is a playable backwards compatible Go play it. It's yes, really that I, is. I, 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 go play it just to get an understanding of what it is, so that you can see if you're if you're even loosely excited for the prospect of the new Fable reboot. I guess is what we're going to call it. I'm still kind of iffy on that one. Um, also, never be afraid to hit your boy up for some Sea of Thieves. It's the yeah, only. I, it's honestly the primary reason outside of Fable that I've had an Xbox and played it. That game I is really good. Still have my Xbox Series X, and I uh, keep it only for one Sea X. of Thieves. <laughs> No, I have a Series X now. Oh. Yeah, I got one. No, I'm kidding. Um, I thought, like, hold on. For a second there, I thought you did, but Blake got one and sold it. Yeah. That's what Oh, wait, he, he got a Series X? Series S. Oh. Okay. And sold it. Sorry. How many sticks of gum this time? <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> like seven. You know, he had to make a profit. <laughs> so seven, a PS2, then a copy of NHL for the Dreamcast. I love you, Blake. Um, Derek on Twitter says, The Soul Series. I tend to avoid games that are difficult for the sake of being difficult, so I've avoided them. I do plan on getting Demon Souls if I ever get a PS5, but until then, that is the series I've never played. There you go. Get into the series with yeah. the first one. I Yeah. If I was you, honestly, 
I don't think that that series is difficult for the sake of being difficult. Agreed. I think it's just difficult for the world. Like it makes sense lore wise on why it's difficult. And essentially, you are a zombie. You're a hollow, and you are the chosen hollow. And if you notice that, like the first couple of enemies you ever come across in any of these games, they're they're you. They're more hollows. But then you understand, like, as you rise up on why you are weak compared to everything else, because you are nothing but a hollow. And that's your goal. Is don't go hollow. Don't you, stay you, hollow. You're going a little more into Dark Souls lore, but yeah. Yeah, Demon Souls is just, you, you let a demon fart on you, and then you win. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, what I would say about that, too, to a little bit, to, like, elaborate on, on Saul's point, I would say the Souls series is not difficult for the sake of being difficult. I would even argue that... The difficulty in Souls... Okay, I said this. When someone says being difficult just to be difficult, I think of games that, for no reason other than just doing it, make their enemies ridiculously hard and introduce mechanics that essentially make them harder, For not because you're supposed to get better. For, for artificially sake. It's just artificially improving difficulty. I would actually argue that the whole point of all the Souls games is not to be difficult, it's to teach you how to play the game. Yeah. And, and the moment you learn how to play the game, it doesn't mean there aren't parts that are going to be difficult. It is meant to challenge you. But the more that you understand the game and the more you start to learn how to ebb and weave within what it wants you to do and you learn enemy patterns, it's really not hard. And I guess that you could say that's true of everything, right? Playing guitar like, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan is not hard. If you just learn how to play guitar. Uh, yeah, basically. But I still think that there's a level of things that's being artificially ramped up, like we talk about with bullet sponges, where it's only hard because they're trying to pad it out or make it feel hard when it doesn't really deserve to be it. I think that there's a difference between difficulty that asks you to really own your skills and figure out how to surpass it more so than just keep going because eventually you'll kill him. Yeah. And I honestly, like what Brett said, once you get good at those games, every game has quirks. The first one's kind of slow. Kind of use your shield a little bit more. Second game's kind of different in terms of gameplay because it is the weird one standalone, uh, non-developed Miyazaki title. But then three, three is kind of fast like Bloodborne. Once you get into the groove of each game, and and you've already gotten good, as much as I don't really care for that, uh, the get good thing. But once you've gotten good, you're done. Like you, you will have no issues with the game. You'll that's not to say you'll never die, because you'll have to understand every time you come across a new boss or a new kind of enemy, you gotta you gotta pay attention to it and you gotta learn it. But it's not exactly the difficulty. Like if somebody says that game's being difficult, being difficult, I'll go back to saying it's probably. Because it's artificial, it's artificially difficult. It's they're gonna like have an instant kill mechanic that's dumb, or you're gonna wander around a corner and then somebody's gonna cut half your health off for no reason. And not to say that that part doesn't exactly happen in Dark Souls, but it happens way more often in just bad games. And I think in Dark Souls, it's more of teaching you a lesson and how to play the game. But um, yeah, I think so as well. I'm gonna go grab some real quick off of Facebook, and then we're gonna move on with the rest of the show because uh, we do got to follow time. I'm, it's interesting seeing what people have and haven't played, though, so I really like that. Yes. I'm going to do some people that we don't hear from very often or maybe very new members. Um, I'm, I've been very busy lately, so my memory is a bit rough. I normally remember whenever I accept people into the group, but we have Mick Jones over on Facebook, and he just simply says, God of War. Um, I would all I would argue that all of them are very good, but if you're interested in just a PS4 one, you can absolutely go into the PS4 one and play it completely by itself. You don't need the other games. They help. I think that they do somewhat elevate the experience, but they are not necessary in any 
fashion, in my opinion. Um, Mark Schutz, one of our new, or uh, one of our patrons, but uh, recently joined the Facebook. He says Mario, Zelda, Dragon Quest, Metroid, and Yakuza. Uh, you notice that a lot of these are very older franchises, and I'm not surprised about Mario. I think that there's this like feeling that if you've not played Mario, how are you a gamer? And I don't mean necessarily widespread, but I think that most people think, oh, if you're a gamer, that means you've probably played Mario. That's oh, what I should say. Yeah, uh, and not even people within the gaming community so much as people without uh, outside of it. But yeah, that's interesting. And you know, a lot of these long running franchises are Nintendo. So if you've never really been a Nintendo fan, it's unfortunate. I'll tell you right now, though, there are a handful of excellent Metroid games, absolutely excellent Metroid games. If you ever get a chance, I think they're worth playing. There are a ton of really great Metroidvanias, though. That you don't have to have a Nintendo to play. So it's not like you know you're missing out on the basic idea of the game, but those games can be really good. Metroid Prime is excellent. If they bring Metroid Prime trilogy to Switch, I'll be very excited. Yeah, that's a super good set of games. Yeah. I can see Mario though. I've only played like three Mario games, uh, with enough time to really be like, okay, yeah, and I just know Mario's not really much for me. Pretty interesting. Um so that's going to wrap us up here. Really appreciate everybody who, who says so. And, um, you know, we can't always get to everybody, but we got to a lot of them today. Now is the time to get into the, the big part of the show that we're going to do. And this comes off of Jason Schreier's new article. Now, it's a, technically you call it a report. It's basically it, we, it'll be something we never know with absolute certainty how true every single degree is. But there's a lot to go through here. So we're going to look at it. I've had a little time since my initial reading this at like 730 yesterday and my initial kind of shock value that happened where I think I'm a little more leveled out on it, um, where I have a, I think I have a little bit more nuanced of an opinion than I would have if we would have done this episode immediately after hearing it. But there's a lot of stuff to go through. So basically, the first thing I think is worth talking about is that there was this long-running feeling and this kind of knowledge that was teased that there was a new secret San Diego studio being made. And uh, the rumor and the expectation a lot of people had, because this was happening right off the back of Uncharted uh, Lost Legacy, was that this was going to be the studio that was going to carry forward with Uncharted. Now, I don't know that there was any real reason for that, more so than there was just people expected, well, if, Blo- if, um, if Naughty Dog is done with Uncharted, but Sony clearly wants more Uncharted, who's going to go forward? This makes sense. New studio coming in and doing it. Well, now what we know is that that studio was a very small group of people that was made up of a handful of people from the Visual Arts Service Group, which is part of Sony. And what they typically do is act as a support studio. They come in and help developers finish up games. Um, there was a group of people who decided that they wanted to, actually one guy really, and 30 developers he got internally from neighboring game studios formed this new little unit within this because they wanted to make a game where they had more autonomy and more direction instead of just being support. Originally, apparently, as the report says, they wanted to make an Uncharted remake, Uncharted 1. And for some reason, it was determined that that was going to be too much work and that The Last of Us was a more modern game that wouldn't need as much work and could just get a new coat of paint to be a PS5 remake. And so that's what they settled on doing. So all of this time... The Secret Studio was apparently working toward a Last of Us remake. That's step one. Now, before we go anywhere else, 
I think this is there's a lot to talk about here. I think it's I think a lot of people are disappointed that this supposed special team uh that was being built up around the same time as you remember before we got a name for it, Microsoft was doing that new team that ended up being called the Initiative. Right. And now we know that the Initiative is working on the perfect dark reboot. There was this feeling around both of those times where it's like, okay, cool, Sony's building up a secret studio that we don't know what they're doing because we just happen to be in touch with the news a bit too much. This is where that can be a problem. And then Microsoft is doing it. I think, unfortunately, Microsoft actually built a real studio who's going on to, I guess, ostensibly do the same thing, but with a much more different, scope and vision. Yeah, different context. And also bring back a game that, there's not been a Perfect Dark game since, what, Perfect Dark Zero, Zero on, 360. on 360? Yeah. So 2006? Launch day at 360. Five? Yeah, it was a launch title. 2005. Yeah, so when you look at that, and you kind of compare the two, yeah, I guess it just feels like one is a full-fledged studio, even with all that stupid quadruple ABS that they were spewing, uh, and Sony's ended up being a small group of 30 people who never got fully actually like staffed to develop this remake of a game that I think Saul and I both land on feeling like it's very odd, and I... Real quick, I want to guess I'm gonna say my final piece on let Saul kind of talk about it because I know Saul has his own thoughts about it as well. My initial thought was I think very similar to everyone else's. Why does a game that is at the time of them forming the studio, 2018, was what five years old, four, uh, six years old, five years old, five years old? Yeah, yeah. It's a five year old game on PS3 that would really push PS3. Received a remaster a year later on the PS4 which made it even more pretty and basically hold up to stand the test time. Then in 2016 got the PS4 pro update, which made it run at 60 frames per second or not 60 frames per second. That was already there, but made it run at um, 2k with HDR and all these different things. And then more recently, right before PS5 launched or right as PS5 was launching, got an update to shorten its load times, even on base PS4. Yep. This is a game that has been touched on and brought forth and basically kept and preserved really well. And it feels very odd to look at a game from five years ago and be like, that's what we're going to remake as a PS5 game. That's super weird. I can understand why someone would look at that and then definitely seeing the news that it was originally pitched to be an Uncharted, where Uncharted was made in 2007. That game much more needed it. Yeah. And I think that this was a very interesting way to go. And ironically enough, I wonder if that is why... There was a leak. Someone who ever said the thing was like, oh, well, they're working on Uncharted. Their initial plan was to make an Uncharted remake. So I guess that might be how the rumor spread that it was Uncharted. Yeah, I could see that. But to wrap mine up on this particular part, I'll tell you right now, if The Last of Us remake came out and was like Demon's Souls remake where it just made it really pretty and maybe even uh, adopted a couple of the gameplay mechan- uh, you know, mechanics from 2 to bring them closer in line... I would absolutely play that. I, I'm not complaining about the existence. I would. I do think it's a weird... Uh, I think I would go as far as to say I think it's a waste of resources. But I'm not going to pretend like I wouldn't play it. Because I would. I would hope it wasn't priced at $70. I, it looks like from somewhere in this article that maybe the intention was to be able to loop it together with The Last of Us 2 on PS5. And at that point, probably even The Last of Us multiplayer for the, that they were supposed to be making as a separate mode. This still hasn't come out yet, which is weird. No. And I think that, you know, who knows if it's tied into this. Um, I would hope not. That's but I would play this. And I think that the reason that this is probably still moving forward now um, as we get more into it is probably because of the HBO show. Okay, so that's what I'm worried about. Um, 
in terms of my thoughts on this, I I I agree with Brett. I do think it is a massive waste of resources to do this. Um, you know, I saw somebody comparing this to Demon Souls, um, and they're like, "Well, people didn't say that this is a waste for Demon Souls. It got remade." The original Demon Souls on PS3 ran like garbage. It it was not a pretty game, and it was pretty outdated even at its time of release in terms of the combat feel. Um, and I say that in terms of like. The combat for the main main part of that game is still in the remake. It is the same, but it just you could you could tell from Demon Souls to Dark Souls that it's it's a revolution change. It's it's something new. The Last of Us doesn't have that. The last The Last of Us really did push the PS3. It was arguably the most, just like The Last of Us Two. It is arguably the most optimized game of that generation's console, and that's the same for The Last of Us Two. Um, looking at The Last of Us Two, you can't say that that game doesn't really just use the full power of the PS4, um, specifically the Pro. And you you say the same thing with the PS3. My problem with this comes in is is the why, because like like Brett said, I'm gonna play it. Go back to episode ten where we talk about our top ten PlayStation games. The Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time. But why? I, I don't, I cannot wrap my head around why. And the curious part of me has answers that I hope do not end up being true. And that is the stuff that they kind of retconned into two, that they can, that they will fully retcon in this. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with, and that goes for any medium of any kind. I don't agree. Retconning is fine in low amounts. There are some weird things that can kind of go on with retconning, and some some things can do it well, and some things do it really weird. I don't think that this is a this should be an opportunity to to rewrite parts of the game or to change things. Um, and I'm going to be kind of careful here because Last of Us Two spoilers, but there's parts of Last of Us Two that they kind of retconned uh, things from Last of Us One in very kind of mildly, but they still retconned it. And I have a feeling that if they do this, they're going to kind of correct. I say correct because it's not wrong, but it's, I have a feeling they're going to change it so that it makes more sense. And honestly, that is a valid critique of the game. Um, in my eyes, you can easily say that that is a, a critique that you can give is that like the, the stuff they retconned kind of is weird because you could tell that that's not what they planned originally. Because you could just of the what they retconned, and that's vague for a reason. But I feel like that if they're going to do that, it's just to to fix cri- the critique that the game has, and I I don't necessarily agree with that. Like you don't, I don't know. It's weird. But well, I think to your point, right? If if you're remaking it, and part of the remaking is probably to get a new audience in, and that game was already massive. But but why do you need a new audience in for this? Like this, no, you is, don't you don't that, need it. But then again, that the argument goes the same of then do, do you need an, an HBO show? I mean, right? Arguably, and, well, and that's the other side is like I hope that they don't change things to correlate better with the HBO show. I think The Last of Us, as it stands, is probably one of the best stories in a video game through not of what the source material is, but how it's told. And when you start messing with how it's told, you start to make it a big issue. It's the issue I have with the brut of The Last of Us 2 story. When you start taking things and kind of de-piecing them to piece them in a different way, you're going to lose charm. And I'm not saying that they're going to do anything. They, they, they literally just may make the exact same game and make it up to standards, which 
Still weird. Still waste of resources, in my opinion. Am I going to play it? Yes. I wish that this team would do something better. Or not better, but something different with their time and resources. But my issue is the exact headline of this article is, in my opinion, perfect. It is Sony's obsession with blockbusters is stirring unrest within PlayStation Empire. And I think that this is going to show you that this is a weird choice for Sony to make. And I think that with just how this headline reads is that they are worrying way too much about cinematic games and they're not doing fun games anymore. They're like, and to the degree they used to, where's twisted metal at this team could be working on a twisted metal reboot instead. Where's, you know, where's, where's these games at like Jack and Daxter? We got Ratchet and Clank, but like naughty, naughty dog, naughty dog, Jack and Daxter. Where, like, why not do a new Jack and Daxter game? Well, let's let's go a little further into it because I think one of the things there is like we talk about resources, right? Right. Resources are always the name of the game here, and I do want to. I'm going to buck a little bit back on your overarching point to a degree, even though I mean, there's way more conversation to have about the way PlayStation's handling games right now. But while we're looking at that and looking at specific examples of like legacy IP, I guess is the way to refer to it now. Um, you you could argue, well, you know, they can only make so many games. Well, right now, and you know, Naughty Dog has multiple stokes in the fire if you want to say uh they're working on a multiplayer mode for uh, for um, the last of us we're basically we're just gonna call it factions who knows if it's gonna be completely yeah. standalone if it's going to be included in the ps5 version Are, of the last of us is who even, knows is anything from they're still working on that i mean there's no confirmation they aren't so right. we'll, we'll say that right now if if things haven't changed from last we know they're working on multiplayer as a separate thing right now, as of this article, the team who was making this remake has basically folded no longer there, not doing anything. So the secret San Diego studios, basically non-existent. Uh, they're just folding back into their visual art service. Most likely is what it seems like via the article. But more interestingly, the last of us remake is still existing and has been completely transferred into naughty dogs care, which is weird too. We, yeah. Uh, I mean, in an ideal sense, I like the idea of an actual developer getting to remake their own game. Not it too, but what um, was the point of the team to begin with? If you're just going to fold yeah, back into yeah, and the, I think, the original team. I, I think it's also one of these things of like, why wouldn't you leverage? Which, again, this has been in development since 2018. Right. So if you ask, why didn't you leverage Bluepoint? Well, Bluepoint was busy with Demon Souls. If we're going to be honest, well, I'm not even saying Blue Point because this isn't Blue Point, though. <laughs> oh, sure, I'm just saying like you, you look at you know you look at who's mastered remakes, right? And in the industry, I think there's even if you're not a big Sony fan, I think there's little argument that some of basically industry setting standard of remakes so far has come from Blue Point with yeah. a surprisingly close follow from I think both. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say yeah, the team that's now part of Blizzard, uh, which is Vicarious Visions. I think that they did a really good job with every game that they were. In part of the crash game uh, and the know. Tony Hawk pro skater remake yeah. as well. And then toys for Bob also did a very good yeah. job with Spyro. Spyro. Um, so I think the industry is getting better at that and there's clearly there, but I think people look at the industry standard being set by uh, blue point who has been doing remasters and remakes to some degree for a long time. But we look at resources and you say, well, okay, now there's a part of naughty dog who we don't know the team size, who has any clue. There's a lot of reasons as to why. Apparently, this is partially down to Herman Hulst, who was taking over at this point, saying, or looking at it and going, why is this so expensive from this group? The 
group had to describe, like, you know, we are using a PS5 graphics rendering engine. We need time to work it out, and it needs to look like a PS5 game. And so the reason that he shifted to some degree at the time before it kind of gotten completely taken over by Naughty Dog is that they are much more loose with Naughty Dog's budget. Naughty Dog has way more leeway. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense. They're a big premier developer for the stu- uh, for the company. So now it's back completely in-house. And uh, that, and I guess you could look at that. Well, why? Probably budget. They want to be able to put it under a developer that they feel like they can justify that budget. But then you look and go, okay, well, Naughty Dog can only make so many games. Well, right now, there's supposedly, supposedly, I'd even say, I guess, reportedly, Naughty Dog's supposed to be working on a new IP. We've talked about that like four years ago. Yeah, and we don't know how long that's been going on. We don't yeah. know how long it's been in pre-development or you know uh, pre-production. How much how, when it's going to start real production? I think none this, of that's known. This is this is going to circle back into the problem that I have. But keep going. Yeah. So you get that. So you have a team doing a new IP. A team probably doing the multiplayer as well as working on bringing uh, optimized version of The Last of Us Two over to PS Five, uh, and then you have the. Um, Last of Us remake. Sorry. Okay. So like, like, uh, there's basically you have three three projects going on there right now. If you want to look at resources, yeah, you could argue why would you not basically have them come back and do it. Now, the hopeful answer to that question is that the reason that there's not a Jack and Daxter being made from Naughty Dog is because Naughty Dog doesn't feel like they're the ones to do it right now. Jack and Daxter, though, in my eyes, wouldn't be as intensive to do. That would oh, require Naughty Dog. There could be a third party developer do that. Yeah, it's oh, you, not you even could. a blue point. You could. You could. That you could easily do. My big issue here is is that it's going in, and it's exactly what you said. We've heard of stuff in productions now for a long period of time, and you can almost hallmark every single Sony studio currently right now working on something. You have the you have Naughty Dog with with both factions in this. You have Sony Santa Monica doing God of War. You have Sucker, and apparently also a new IP alongside. and a new IP. Yeah, but this is the problem. Apparently, apparently, yeah. And then you have um, Sucker Punch doing potentially Ghost of Tsushima two. We don't know. That's that. That's kind of one that's in the waters. I would think so, but you never know. And as we learn in this thing, you would have thought prior to this that Sony Bend was making Days Gone too. Yeah, yeah, and that we'll get into that here in a little bit. And you have Insomniac and inevitably doing a Spider Man two. Mm-hmm. And they're a big team. So all, all of and their, Ratchet and Clank. This is the problem that that we got into last gen. All of their big teams are doing stuff, and I think that. I don't want people to think I don't like cinematic games because I do, but there's a problem to say in which none of their sub teams are putting out more variety in this and that all of these games take too long to develop so that inevitably you have like, this is the problem I have right now at the PS five. There is no reason to buy a PS five. That's not demon souls or just to have a new console. But once you get demon souls and you play through Astrobot playroom, Everything else is multi-platform, and we don't know when we're going to get a next big hitter first-party P- PS5 exclusive. Yeah, you can you, you can argue Godfall just because of the fact that it exists, and yeah, I think it's, but isn't that on PS4 too? No, is it not? No, okay, no. I think it it may already be on PC if it's not going to be on PC in like a, a month or two. Right, now. and then you could say Gorilla's yes. outputting Horizon Two at some point next year, and that mm-hmm. God of War Two is coming out at some point next year. Mm-hmm. But next year doesn't do anything good for you now. Yeah. And this is the problem I have is I think that they all of their first party studios focus too heavily on cinematic games and they don't have enough leeway with second and third party games to do fun exclusives. And at this point, this kind of goes back into, you know, where's stuff like Twisted Metal, Jack and Daxter? Where are these fun IPs of old? 
and instead you're focusing on IPs that are way newer. Also, what I find hilarious, if they redo The Last of Us 1 to bring up The Last of the 2 standards, isn't isn't it going to surpass The Last of Us 2 inevitably because it's a PS5 game? So you have the first game remade to look better than the second game. Is that the first time that's ever happened? I mean, technically, it's always going to happen to some degree, right? If you remake Crash Bandicoot, but they're doing one it specifically three. to bring it up to that level. But yeah. inevitably, or or by design, it will be above that level. So you're going to have the first game looking better than the second game, unless the second game is also getting again, unless the second game was heavily designed with PS5 in mind in the long run, right? Which, which it could be, which I will mean, then still take more time and resources away to bring it up, which kind of goes back into the big old resources thing. But this is the, this is the problem I have is that. And and everybody should know, I don't care about biasism in terms of this. I, if this was Xbox, I'd be calling them out for the same thing. And we've said before, we're going to call out Sony when we feel like they do stuff that's dumb. And to me, the nature of this is not exactly the dumbest thing in the in itself, but I think the way they got there is the dumb thing. I think that the way that this is happening is dumb. And is this good for business? Absolutely. Is this good for consumers? No. We're going to be in kind of a drought that we've been in at the end of the life of the PS4. Is that Ace Hardware again? Yes. <laughs> um, Apparently our three minutes of listening in on him un- unaware. Did not stop him from calling <laughs> again. Um, but anyways, and this kind of just goes to show like there's a patience problem. And it's not the fault of the consumer, I think. Um, not even related to Sony that we know of. Um, but Elden Ring. We'll show it off way too early. We yeah. don't know when we're getting Elden Ring. Um, Fable will show it off way too early. Avowed will show it off way too early. These are Xbox games. We don't know when we're getting this stuff. And I think that Sony's focusing a little too heavily into cinematic games, which is their strongest point. Do not get me wrong. But I feel like we can see other strong points from them come from fun games. People loved PlayStation All-Stars. People loved stuff like that. People, yeah. The fan base for Twisted Metal is so ravenous, they're taking a TV show over a video game. And I would argue, why put money into the TV show? Put money into a video game. Even yeah. if it's just like an indie game like Rocket League. Rocket League from day one was not funded with the amount of money that something like The Last of Us sees now. Yeah, and it so, doesn't need it. Yeah, and, and, and they could easily make something that fun. That is something that launches at forty to fifty dollars if they wanted to as an indie well, game. See, if we take a step back, this kind of goes in because you, if you want to look, there are different types of games. But the problem lately has been where Sony's going from a processing standpoint. So I'm going to kind of use this as an opportunity before we go into the rest of it to kind of talk about Sony's games as a whole. Because again, yesterday there is this idea of like I had this worry that like you know are we going to not see games like. Uh, concrete genie anymore yeah. are we gonna and and the answer is probably yes because sony owns these studios and even though this is clearly said from the standpoint of looking and going well sony looking at its biggest studios and biggest ip is looking at how they can continue to leverage existing ip and new ip that they think is going to be as big as possible um so when you look at that, you can look and go, well, you know, what does that mean? Are we going to get less risk? I think my first worry was, well, if you don't take risk, right, and you want to move away from risk, uh, which is kind of part of what the article goes in when it starts talking about the fact that Sony didn't want to green light a, a, um, a follow-up two days gone, and it seemed like it was primarily uh, – it's, it's right here. Here's the quote in the thing. It says uh, – 
The fixation on teams that churn out hits is creating unrest across. I'm going to keep that out because I think that that's a little, it's trying to paint it with a bias. And I'm not saying that's wrong or anything, but the parts that matter of this is Sony Ben, best known for Days Gone, tried unsuccessfully to pitch a sequel the same year as release. Uh, according to people familiar with the proposal, although the first game had been profitable, its development had been lengthy and critical se- critical reception was mixed, as we all know. So A Days Gone 2 wasn't seen as a viable option. Now, this is this goes back to a problem I've had with Sony for a while now. And I think it was better last gen because they were at least still trying new stuff. And my immediate thought yesterday was, so you don't want to take risk, but if you don't take risk, then you don't end up with first time big successes like horizon or ghost of Tsushima or well, I don't know. I don't know if they consider death stranding a success. So let's, let's at least look at the three. Okay. Let's look at the three big risks. They took last gen letting a studio that only ever made shooter games that were never that big of sellers. If we're being honest, kill zone. zone. We we got to see gorilla go and make a, a franchise that sold 10 million copies. Uh, in a genre that was way outside of what they normally do, huge risk. Also, uh, it's a flag flagship IP. Important now. to say that that game was also so well received. It was one of the first games that a Sony's first party game went onto Steam because that's how many people wanted to play it. Oh yeah, yeah. Arguably, Sony had the opportunity to go. There's an even bigger audience that we just aren't getting. Yep. Um, second one is, of course, looking at the big risk that comes behind something like God of War. God of War Ascension was a flop by all means. It was a great game. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't the best God of War game, but it was good. Um, and, of course, they're coming back around and saying, what do we do? Do we let them make another God of War? Has God of War run its course? And they took a big risk in letting somebody take a very big creative departure for God of War, doing it the way they did, keeping the existing character, moving everything forward, kind of confusing what people may feel like they want to jump in. Cause they're like, I don't know. I, I know that Kratos exists, but I don't know if about him. That was a big risk, a big risk that paid off. Uh, I would argue that the third big risk in this particular situation was ghost to Tsushima. I think it was a very big new IP for them. I don't know if they consider it as much of a risk. Cause I think that they know what they have with, um, sucker punch, but those are three big risks that are two new IP and one basically renewing of an IP in a way that, almost dictates it as a new IP. And I think, honestly, to go into your point, they did that, and this is, you know, once again, this is your point, but it is the fact that they took a developer who made Bubsy make a post-apocalyptic cinematic zombie shooter game, Mm -hmm. and they supported it, even though it launched in an, I'm not going to say a bad state, or even a mediocre state, but it launched at a non-polished state that they continued to work on and, and and make over the course of you know that year. So for those that don't know, Days Gone came out in April, and they pitched the sequel and in that year. So they had eight months of time, presumably, to do that. And and even then, that game was fixed by the time that year was over with, for yep. the most part. Yep. That's dedication. And you know, th- you look look at look at Anthem, look at um, you know. Other games that have come out, like I'm, I'm throwing a blank here, but Anthem is one that like, did come out and it did have a fair share of problems that were kind of fixed on release and that were still being worked on, but you never saw what you wanted to see out of the true potential of that game because the developers just kind of just stopped supporting it. And they, they tried to do little things, but then teams got moved around and inevitably it didn't go anywhere and it died. Um, and it didn't do that. It, it it was a major success despite its shortcomings because of that team. Now, what we consider a success, there's a lot of questions, right? We don't really know. We know it was profitable. 
we don't really know past that what the expectations were for it or any of that. Um, but I think that there's a lot to be said, in my opinion here, looking at this. My initial, going back to that, my initial thoughts yesterday were, why would you not greenlight a sequel to Days Gone 2? Because Days Gone, and there's a, there's a close example in the, the Order as well, but unlike The Order, which I think is another fantastic IP that I really love and I think deserves a sequel, I'm really, I don't understand why in my mind right now, I think Sony takes an initial risk, makes a game, and then even though it becomes profitable because also the order was profitable, both of these games are made by smaller teams than typical AAA games. Um, even though they were profitable, I could see why the order, which was a big source of controversy, a big source of back and forth and uncertainty around PlayStation 4 and Sony, and way more critically panned than Days Gone, would not necessarily be as keen to get a second one. And I've always known that. As much as I want a follow-up to The Order, I've never held my breath for it. Days Gone, I'm going to tell you right now, the moment I beat that game, and definitely after it was all fixed, which interestingly enough, that game was more broken in the early hours than in the later hours for me. Who knows why? And that, But you know, by the time I beat it and I was so far removed from the problems I was having... I was blown away. It's not a perfect game. It does have a little jank, but it has a lot of potential, really interesting um, gameplay mechanics. It kind of plays like Horizon. And so my thought immediately, definitely the way they teased it, I was like, oh, there will, there will certainly be a Days Gone 2. It sold really well. And now we're seeing that it didn't. So for me, it feels weird. Well, it didn't. Well, it's not going to happen. Sony standards, yeah. Yeah. But I think what's, what's weird here, and this is what I said to Chris, and I think that there's arguments on both ways. You could say that. But I think that leveraging an IP that has already garnered a lot of goodwill by being fixed in the long run and get a, gotten a lot of fans recently and was profitable, there's no reason not to let them continue, pitch the second game, work on the things that maybe were janky, and also be able to do a game that's more polished because you're not building a new IP. One of the problems of building a new IP is that alongside developing it, you have to figure out like who are these characters? What is this world? What are we doing here? What's the main motivation? of these people you have to do a lot of work to set up an ip and that's why typically once an ip is set up you can reiterate on that ip once every two to three years on average yeah and and they're throwing that opportunity away well you look at days gone as well and you see what it is made how 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 it has transformed by the end by now to this day you can go and look at like there's tons of videos on youtube i'm sure you could find of just the jankiness of launch at Days Gone, but then you can go play it or look at videos now and see how smooth it runs, how little to no jank there is. But the best thing, in my opinion, about stuff like this, it goes for any game, especially any game that I enjoy, but any game that launches in a jank state that gets fixed, that sets itself up for a sequel, the first thing you think of is, they're going to do really good with the next game. Oh, yeah. And how far they've come across with fixing it now, they know their pitfalls, and the next game's going to be even better with hopefully a better story. You never That story part, you never know because it, stories can go south. But for the most part, you know it's going to perform better. And or I say perform better. I mean perform in terms of a gameplay, like game, game sense, not exactly like money sense, but it's going to perform better on the console. Um, but to me, like this is kind of the thing, too, that it, it, it's almost hypocritical of me because here I am saying Sony kind of needs to change it up and not make cinematic games. But then with Days Gone, it's like, why aren't you making Days Gone 2, which would be a cinematic game? But I would argue... But it was unique in its own fashion. I, I will argue that. It was, it was not as cinematic as The Last of Us. It was definitely not as cinematic as The Last of Us. Um, it's not as cinematic as other stuff like God of War. It, don't get me wrong. It has a good story in the way they frame that story. 
is done really, really, really well. But there's something about like I, I don't know if it's like the way the cutscenes feel, the length of the cutscenes in some of these games, but Days Gone did not feel that way. And that I think attributed to some people's feelingness of jank in a way too. They're like, well, this isn't the standard quality like like so, like cutscenes that I'm I'm used to, or the or this that that cutscene was really it was really short kind of thing. Like I didn't get enough story from that that I wanted, and that might be kind of a foreground problem that you may have that that you didn't realize, but uh, or that I didn't realize. You know that that's a kind of a, a thing that could happen, but. It's weird. This if if this all is true, which me and Brett were discussing before the show, it's hard to tell if any of this will be confirmed. And I I kind of said like, well, I guess we'll know if parts of this will be true if we do get announced a Last of Us remake. This could be a lot of emotions for no reason. This may all be fake. Yeah. Now, don't be wrong. I don't one second believe it is. And I, yeah. as much as I have some issues with the way that Jason is as a, as a um, journalist, as a, I, when I say journalist, I think he's in a lot of ways, he's a good journalist. And I think in some ways, the fact that he's so op- opposed to any form of criticism, that's one of the things I just don't care for. I think he, he's way too quick to silence people that he doesn't agree with. Um, that's one of the things that's weird, but I don't wrong. I believe this. I think it is in line with a lot of the decisions we've seen Sony making lately. It's somewhat in line with what we've always known about Sony, where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It's a problem they've had for a long time. Different divisions don't know what's going on. That's why the team who hands out development kits had no clue and learned that the Vita uh, store was being shut down the same time as everyone else did. Yeah, which is the, I think which was, is so so dumb. Who was the one that broke that, or not broke that? But who was the first one to confirm it? That was a Vita developer. They're like, I didn't know this was happening. We're working on a game. Oh well, I mean, Colin was like, we just got a uh, a development kit, so he's like, I would feel like this is probably not true. Oh, but and, uh, and then it ended up being true, and it's the same problem because he's like, you know, why would they let us buy a development kit for something they're about to shut down? Yeah, but it, it, that's a long running problem. But there's a little bit more into this, too. And I'm curious as to what you feel, because I, I get where Chris is coming from. But for me, you know, if you're, if you're trying to be risk-averse, if you're looking at this from a risk-aversion standpoint, why would and, – and this is where it goes. The rest of this article, there's a little bit more to it, but following up on this Days Gone 2 thing, right? What ended up happening is that since Days Gone 2 didn't happen, um, Sony basically put them in the hands of making a new Uncharted with heavy supervision from Naughty Dog, as well as helping Naughty Dog make the multiplayer for the new for The Last of Us 2, or whatever the new standalone game, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what it's going to be. But that's where they got. And the, the history of Sony Bend, because a lot of people didn't know them prior to Days Gone. I've been a big Sony Bend fan for a long time, and they made the Siphon Filter Siphon series. Filter, yep. um, they made you know some of my favorite games. Bubsy. Do, uh, <laughs> yeah, they did. But uh, Siphon Filter, uh, Dark Mirror, and Logan Shadow are both Dark fantastic, fantastic games. They're yes. really good. Dark Mirror is so good. Then they moved on, and for a long time after Siphon Filter finally kind of wrapped and they didn't get to go forward on that, they became a team that worked with other people's IP. They did that on PSP with Resistance Retribution. All right, great game. I really loved it. I thought it was a cool use. It took... It made the resistance games typically that are first person shooters into a third person shooter, took us somewhere else, introduced new characters, and it was really good. Then we saw them go forward and make the Uncharted game, Golden Abyss on Vita, which is also a really good Uncharted game. So quick interjection real quick. I don't mean to interrupt you, but who made Kills on Liberation? 
Uh, Gorilla. Okay, that game's fantastic. As wild as that is, Gorilla that game, actually made that game. That I game thought that was, was cool. So good. Yeah, I loved the um, OTS version of a of a Killzone game. Yeah, or not OTS. It's not Taylor. Yeah, OTS, no, it's, 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 it's I guess it's real time. Yeah, isometric yeah, shooting. Such a good game. I would love for that game to have been to be remastered with trophies. That game was really good. Yeah, super fun. I'd pay twenty bucks for it. Thirty bucks. So, uh, so go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, they went through. They made the the Vita Uncharted, really good game. And then they kind of said, you know, we we're getting a little tired of working on other people's IP. We want to go back to being an original developer. And so they got Days Gone. Now they're getting Uncharted again. They're getting into this thing. They're fearing becoming, as the article says, Naughty Dog North. Yeah, uh, they're worried about this, and that's actually a consistent thing across this. The uh, the team that was making the Last of Us remake was worried because of Naughty Dog getting more and more control that they were just going to become. If they even got to stay a team, they were going to become Naughty Dog South. They're going to become the monopoly of Sony Studios, pretty much. Like <laughs> you're going to go through Naughty Dog before you go through Sony. This to is get Naughty Dog West. This is Naughty Dog Southwest. <laughs> Every studio will just be renamed Naughty Dog Germany. You, you know what I'm most sad about though about all this is that. Why would you forego a sequel to a new franchise okay. for a fifth iteration of an existing franchise? That you know sells incredibly what, well. What game series needs five entries? I'm speaking to you, Halo 5, but what game series needs this many entries? Because I know what they're going to do with four. Obviously, it's going to be the spoiler that's ended at the end of the solid. game. Metal Gear Look, Solid Five me, is is a, is a so great I, I think game. we're going to get to a similar thing. I should to say a degree. This. What I think, and, and I tell you right now, I would play Uncharted Five in a heartbeat. I would play a new Uncharted. I'm excited for a new Uncharted. I know, but the thing is, is with Uncharted, it's like there's only so many ways you can go because it's based in such harsh reality that it, it gets like like you bought up Metal Gear Solid. Technically, I brought up Halo. That's unfair because sci-fi games. You could do anything. Yeah, you could do anything. <laughs> uh, and I, I should I should reiterate: who needs five games of a game based in reality? Like, if you're not Call of Duty or, like, a shooter game that gets reiterized every year for multiplayer purposes, like, what was it, Medal of Honor, which had split-screen multiplayer. I don't think, did it have online? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like that. It's like, how many times are you going to retell the same story over and over again using different bad guys from history? Or, like, Uncharted, how many times are you going to have a big bad guy show up that's... You're going to run out of lost civilizations eventually. Well, as I was gonna say, that, they stopped doing cool stuff with Uncharted in, in what, four or three? I mean, it just depends on what you think. Supernatural. I think three and four are also really good. Supernatural. Uh, four. Okay. Yeah. And that, that honestly, listen. That would have been your biggest ability me, to continue out. Give me Cassie. And that's the thing. It's not no lost civilization, not no treasure hunt. Cassie in space. Bam, bam, bam. Hear me out. And that's how we get uh, Savage, whatever it's called. Then it becomes sci-fi. You can make a million of them. I don't care. Okay. Sci-fi works. So, where I was going a second ago is that what I find really weird about this is that you're trying to be risk-adverse. And Bend is being put off of making, you know, they're not getting to make a Days Gone 2. Instead, they're making someone else's game an existing IP. Yeah. Um, and this talks about up until about a month ago, it looks like, uh, they were doing that, and they some of the leadership, and we saw a lot of leadership leave Bend last year. We didn't know why. I think it's pretty obvious now that Jeff Ross and John Garvin, who have been there a long time and were really, really heavily involved in Days Gone, and of course John Garvin was really heavily involved in Siphon Filter and Resistance, and he was the writer for all of these things. Um, 
they left and they didn't really say much. It was kind of weird, you know, unceremonious to a degree. And I think now you can tell that's what it is. But the leadership that's still there at Bend decided that they were fearing becoming Naughty Dog North. And so they decided that they wanted to request Sony to let them make their own game. And it seems like right now they are no longer making the Uncharted game. I was confused on that yesterday. I misread it. They've been moved off of that. We don't know if the Uncharted game is still being made. And we're in a position where... My dogs need to shut the hell up. That's what needs to happen. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. We're in a position where my dogs need to shut up. But we're in a position where this, this is what I'm mind-boggled by. Sony, who says they won't make Days Gone 2 because it's risk-averse to what they're trying to do with these big, big blockbuster games, is going to let the team that they did not think could make a Days Gone 2 that could, that could rise to that standard and become that flagship franchise that it could have been, definitely since sales for Days Gone were so well. And instead, what they're going to do is they're going to let a team move off of Uncharted onto another new IP, and instead of doing a, a follow-up to an IP that would take two to three years and would be a lot less risky in terms of development time costs, you're going to let a team that you, fit, you saw unfit make a new IP that's going to take longer and cost more money where? How do you bring those together? That seems here's, so antithetical to everything going on. Here's and this why: screams normal Sony of where I don't feel like there's ever a single rule. That's really the problem. That's, okay, so here's why: I think this sums it up pretty well, at least from my viewpoint and my opinion on this. It's their ego, and this is this is, and by that I mean their gold standard. If they're not outputting a triple A cinematic game that is a masterpiece across multiple websites, they don't want to do it anymore. Or at least that's how you feel. That has to be that has to be a common viewpoint nowadays because you don't see anything otherwise. If it doesn't bring them in millions of dollars and doesn't get highly relate, re, re, uh, rated, and it's not a 30-hour, 45-hour cinematic masterpiece of a journey, they don't do it anymore. And that's the issue. Why? Okay, so I have a somewhat of an answer to you. I know the answer is money. Well, no, it's not even an answer so much as it's kind of an explanation as to what they what they chose to do. So you're right. I agree with you. Only in the first party sense. Because what, that's, that's what all I should say, I'm, that's no, I should say first party. I should say um, only from their self-owned developers. That's, that's what I mean. Now, that's, what's interesting is that, that's my, that's, and this is the argument, because right now a lot clarify. of people are going like, well, you mean Sony's putting all these things out. And you're right. If you want to look at it and say, well, no, Sony's clearly making other stuff. Astro's Playroom is the one example of a Sony internal studio in, 20, in the 2020s, that's what we're looking at now, that has made a game that defies the expectation of what you'd expect from Sony. Yep. And we saw Sony Japan, a team full of making games like this, now they weren't always received this well, so I'll give them that. Yeah, but that's the, that's the type of game Sony Japan made. It's been almost completely closed. This is the only people left. Yeah. So what happens is Astro's Playroom developer going to make a blockbuster Astro's game? Because that feels stupid. If I'm being dead honest with you. Yeah, and honestly, I don't include <laughs> Playroom because not only is it a, a high, very high quality platformer. Do not get me wrong, but it was made with an intended purpose and only that purpose. Arguable, yeah. I think and, I, I think as much as everyone loved it, I mean, it was to show off PS5, it, that, be a competent, really strong platformer, and look through PlayStation's history. Yes. It's already done all those. How and, do you do another one? And well, I mean, you could easily do another one. You well, you could keep, because... You could keep going with that. Astrobot's Rescue from VR is a, yeah. it's a different game. And you could just improve upon it. But how often... Like, I don't think that's the point of that game as much as I would like it to be. I think that that game was solely made... As a very fancy but very well done tech demo for the console. So then, why does Team Asobi get to continue to exist? 
why did why is Japan Studio not exist? Exactly. This is so, this is the problems we're getting into nowadays. With let's this. let's look at the other half of this real quick, which is that Sony does still have games that are not that, but they're not handling themselves. It's their IP, but they're letting other people make them. Perfect example, right? Sackboy, a big adventure. That game yep. is fantastic. I really enjoy it. It is not the type of game. It didn't review super well, but it reviewed strongly enough, you know, sevens and eights. It's, I'm sure it probably sold well enough, and it was probably a relatively modest budget. The people over at um, super Sumo, Sumo Digital Sumo, did it. I don't know why um, super massive. Ha! Yeah, Sumo Digital did it. 20 if years I'm ago, I was going <laughs> yeah. And they had, they also did Little Big Planet three. So we're seeing them leverage IP and probably doing it with in a much more budgeted manner. So we're seeing that right. That's an existing IP. We're seeing them partner with people for things like Godfall exclusivity. All right, Godfall is a big game in terms of what in terms of budget behind it. Yeah, it's it's a decently big game, uh, and they pushed for ex- uh, an exclusivity window on it. All right, and then we keep going. Right, we look. What in the hell did I just do? You zoomed all the way. I did. Anyway, so let's look at some more games. A good example that we know is a, that it was a beloved game that was exclusive for a time period, and uh, it may be exclusive forever. Bucksnax. Bucksnax is fantastic. One of my favorite games uh, on PS5 so far. I mean, it's on PS4 as well, but that's a game that Sony partnered with and leveraged relationships with. Now, here's the thing. I don't think that's bad. I, I actually think this is a great way to go. They're partnering with Oddworld Soulstorm right now. Oddworld Soul, Soulstorm is giving free to all of us as a PS Plus right. game, and that's awesome. I don't think and they're partnering really going off on it is bad, but I don't think it's the answer. I, I think that like they could get these studios of theirs. Like, imagine if they just took sixty people from Naughty Dog North or whatever, and they made they had them make a really dope indie game yeah. on the levels of Hollow Knight. That would take them probably less than two years to make, and the polish on it would be ridiculous. And you get into this thing too. I do want to finish up my point here, but I do like that because I wanted to say that too. I think that there are games like um, Stardew Valley and Hollow Knight and uh, Shovel Knight. God, look, there's a number of examples a AAA of, of games that have made so much money off of such a small budget that it's actually a much better idea than what Sony does, if we're being honest. Your return to investment is a lot higher on a game that you spent you know, $100,000 to make and, two years and on, it sold 10 million copies uh, from a small team of you know, 30 to 40 people so than... Less. Yeah, then a game that you have a team of multiple hundreds of people making for multiple hundred, you know, for a hundred million dollars over seven years that has to sell, you know, that, that sells 10 million and your return of investment isn't quite the same, yeah. you know, uh, that would be awesome. But I, I at least I want to say that because I don't want to act like there's the thing that on Sony systems, there aren't exclusives or timed exclusives that are cool. Deathloop looks awesome. I'm glad that that's an exclusive partially because I benefit from it, but that's the kind of game I like. And I'm glad to see that Sony was like, yeah, that's cool. Let's make that something that Sony, that PlayStation people get to play before anyone else. Just to reiterate though, not a Sony owned studio. Nope, not. And yes. that's my point of behind that. All. Yeah. I know they got cool stuff going on. Yeah. But Kena, even, Kena looks so Kena, sick. Kena looks dope. Do not get me wrong. It looks amazing, but yes. there's a problem I have and it's on that page. Returnal. Yep. yep. And actually the other one, and this is what I was talking about with pricing earlier, Destruction All-Stars. Two games that for no reason Are can $70. anyone look at and say, why is it $70? No, no. that. Destruction All Stars has been price dropped to forty. Why are they marketing Returnal like they are The Last of Us? That's not the. That's not how they market. Like that game is being marketed to make you believe it's something it's not, and it does not fit the seventy dollars price point. They're marketing that game to be some kind of story cinematic game. It's oh. a roguelike. Sorry, 
a roguelite. Destruction All Stars went from seventy dollars to twenty dollars as its as its actual price. Yeah, because it, it failed that hard at seventy dollars. Well, now, yeah, and that's what I, that goes into this thing of Sony wants to make these games, and they want to put money behind these games, but I feel like Sony doesn't know how to price their stuff anymore. No, they do. They just hope that people. They, well, they, they're doing the Nintendo thing, right? Yeah, they're doing I, that's the, what I was gonna say. They hope they're Nintendo now. They they hope that they could put a game out like Nintendo can, and Nintendo can throw a sixty dollars price point. They listen. Nintendo could port Ocarina of Time and only Ocarina of Time to the Switch and charge sixty dollars for it. Do you know how many people are? Gonna, you know how how much it's going to sell? Oh, dude! Millions. You know of that copies. You know that Mario three pack that they yeah. just stopped doing. How much do you want to bet that those three games come individually as a non single pack to Switch as sixty dollars releases sell each? Like crazy! I don't know if I'd say sixty. I'd bet forty or to fifty. I'd bet. I don't These know are the 60. same people who are doing very little remake work on Pokemon Platinum or Diamond, whatever you want to call it, and they're charging sixty dollars for it. Almost guaranteed. It's actually not confirmed yet. I wouldn't. So say, I would love to eat crow and it be forty dollars. I wouldn't say. But I'm just very saying. little work either. From what they're doing visually, it's I don't know how much work that is, but it's it's something. It's not. It's, it's I, I, less work than Bluepoint did with Shadow of the Colossus, which was a forty dollars game. You're not wrong, but I'm talking about <laughs> if they literally just took the Nintendo 64 ROM of Ocarina of Time and put it on the Switch for sixty, it'd sell. Yeah, I know. But here's the problem. It, it's my, it's it's what I call the returnal problem. It's the way they <laughs> the returnal problem. That's a new triangle square. I keep saying, I keep saying returnal, and I <laughs> I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be ass. Um, <laughs> I but, don't think so. I think the game will be good. I, I just, do too. Not for not for seventy dollars. I don't. But that's the thing. It's been kind of confirmed now at this point that that's a roguelite. Why has every trailer I've, we've seen of it, especially the first trailer, made it look like some kind of sci-fi action adventure third person game? Which I guess technically it is, but it makes it look like it has some kind of like in depth story. I would love to be proven wrong that that game is the very like a roguelite with a major story to it that you actually cling to as you play it. Something tells me, though, that's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong. I'm not saying it will be. That's what it looks like. I want that game to be good. I want that game to be $50 or $40, not $70. But, yeah, my point is is that in terms of – because we're we going to have to wrap this up soon. It's, we do. It, got, it, we got to go. It is getting – it is. But I, I feel like Sony-owned first-party studios are doing the same kind of stuff they've been doing – and they're making some decisions lately that, that are very odd decisions. And, you know, Kiki the other day was talking to, to both uh, you and Richard in Discord. I think Blake was talking there, too. And Kiki said people are hopping on the hate bandwagon. You could ask Brett. He told me this information yesterday when we were at work. And my reaction yesterday was pretty much the same as it was as it is today. The second he told me. I'm a little more thought, it out, thought out on it, and therefore I'm not as you know dumb. I'll say I was going to throw Naughty Dog in the toilet for, for, for doing this, <laughs> and I'd still play The Last of Us remake. But it's weird, and I don't like it, and I'm worried. And I'm, not, I'm worried, you know, worried is not the word I would use for this. I am curious at how this is going to affect Sony because as long as they can keep putting out games every once in a while, like Bloodborne, Something that is so standalone and so one-hit wonder, one-hit masterpiece, then I'll be fine. But banking on these same like three, four, three or four franchises to keep them afloat is getting old, and that goes for everybody. That's why Hades is such a fun game to play. That's, I agree. That's why Monster Hunter Rise is a nice breath of fresh air. And I, I, I am not saying that those franchises should not be made anymore. I'm I'm saying they should not they should not put all their guns and money into those franchises and hope that it carries them along because of course it will 
but it makes it stale. Well, and I'll say right now, too, we're in a unique space where we're going to get continued use out of franchises that have been around for 10 years, but we're also going to get follow-ups for games that have only been around for less than five. I mean, the fact that we're getting a new Horizon is awesome, and I don't want to judge them for that, because Horizon is a new IP, and I'm excited. There's a lot of life left in that IP. The the fact that there will very likely, and again, I don't want to say, because I thought there was very likely be a Days Gone, but... Ghost of Tsushima both sold better than Days Gone and also performed uh, well out of the uh, box. Cr- yeah, critically received. Though I'll argue that Sony taking the critical reception of a game that they allowed developers or that they have allowed um, critics to play in a state that was worse than even the day one patch and then use that as the critical reception, I think that that's. Sony knew what they were releasing. They shouldn't have re- released a broken game because I have a feeling that Days Gone would have ended up in the mid '80s to low '80s had it actually launched in a polished state. I, and I know that delays are a weird thing, but delay the game. The thing is, the game was pretty much fixed around three months after release. Delay it three months, well, and then not- put the game out to where critics can play it and go. You know what? For the jank that it does have, it's also really good in this department, and people can see it for what it is. I so I just a, feel like that's such a weird in between. But I have a conspiracy theory for stuff like this, and this will be the final thing I say. I have a feeling that Sony intentionally handles or gives small developers tons and tons and tons of money, but even though that these teams they know have talent, but they they want them to perform something out of their normal range, in hopes of them failing. So that they can then take those teams and make them hire them, studios, hire them for less money because they're failures at this point, and then throw them into other teams to get other stuff done because it just happened with Bend. And I'm not saying that's why, but there's no logical reason or excuse that why Sony would have done that to reviewers with Days Gone. But here's my final thoughts on all of this. They thought and took the risk with Horizon gets a sequel. They thought and took a risk with God of War. That may have been a little bit more of a household name, but for what they did to that game to shake it up was And it was made on different. a thin budget. Yes. They took a risk and it's getting a sequel. They should have done the same for Days Gone. And I think that's where I'm getting kind of irritated with them lately is their inconsistencies is not their inconsistencies are just not great. And they're not remaining inconsistent or, or consistent. And when something is not consistent, especially a company you like, if they're putting out products that you either don't like or that you, you that that are that are objectively bad or or objectively not of high quality, then you start to have problems of looking forward to anything else they make. And they are slowly, not quite yet, but slowly starting to enter that realm in my mind of like they got to start prove they got to start pulling me back in with some good stuff because it's getting kind of just you know, PlayStation's getting to a bland spot as a brand. And I think that's kind of a spot on statement to say that is that right now PlayStation is just bland. We're getting the kind of the same stuff over and over again for the most part from, from PlayStation. I'm not talking about partnerships. I'm not talking about second and third parties. from their own. I'm developers. talking about from their own developers. Yeah. Um, and it makes it hard to look forward to stuff like this. But not only that, when they do all this, you, you have like uh, say if this was gorilla, that got canned instead of bend. You have a hard time the next time Gorilla makes something of looking at high hopes. You're like, you know what? They made Horizon that got canned, but what is this going to be? You're like, I hope it's good because Horizon was good, but this doesn't have the budget Horizon had. So this, you know, it gets weird. It gets worrisome and it gets harder to look forward to for stuff like this. And that, I think, takes joy out of the reason that this is a fun hobby of video games because you always want something to look forward to. You always want your next big adventure it's hard for them to make big adventures when it's the same. 
big adventures. It's hard to get excited for those big adventures when it's the same ones over and over again. Um, so that's that's pretty much it for me. Okay, my closing on this to a degree is very much in line with yours to a degree. I think that whenever you're in a business situation and the business and art never quite coalesce the way that you would hope that they would, the reality is is that I want variety and I want smaller, more risky games. And I think for a long time, Sony was the place to do that. And there was a there was a statement from um, was it like I think it was his first year at E3 uh, whenever Sean Layden first took over. A man of my heart from. Uh, from old Jack, from old Jack Tritton. Um, whenever he took over, I think it was like 2014, because Jack stayed through for PS4's launch and then left. So I want to say E3 2014, may have been 2015, Sean came out on stage and was talking about old games, and he was talking about a game called Vib Ribbon that was a PS1 game that I don't think ever quite made it to the West. I've seen pictures of it. It looked really cool. Uh, it, it was... Something very different for the time. It had a very minimalistic art style. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about at all, Saul? Have you, yeah. ever, have you ever heard of Vib Ribbon? Yeah. Um, and he talked about it, and he said he was excited to hear someone talk about that game because he felt like it represented PlayStation. And Sean Layden would also would also uh, would often talk about PlayStation and the fact that at the end of the day, it is a business, and that's true. But there was always this feeling I had for a long time that Sony's internal teams, again, I'm glad that they're at least trying to partner to still keep a semblance of that, but their internal teams, he goes, you know, it wasn't, he said Vib Ribbon wasn't a multi-million selling title. He goes, but that wasn't the point. Yeah. And and, and I I love that sentiment. And he said, you know, the, the point was to allow someone with a vision to come in and make a game that was new and that no one had ever experienced before. Um, and I thought that was so cool. And it didn't really matter if it was about a big thing. And I thought for a long time Sony had that going for them. And I even thought that in the PS4 era to a big degree. And I feel like that's what my initial fear was, is that we might be losing that part of Sony due to wanting to make sure they're always making money. And I think the reality is any company needs a mix. It doesn't all, you know, I know a lot of people are getting into gaming and they're really liking these huge AAA games. But I think that the fact that indies do as well as they do go to show that there are people who are interested and hungry and want that diversity and Sony offering that diversity within themselves would have been a really cool thing to do. Cause I, I gotta say I respect Nintendo, even if I don't agree with the pricing at $60, I would even on Sony, right? If Sony were to make a new twisted metal with a modest budget, but said, listen, we're going to make this game with a modest budget. We're making it as a passion project for fans who want it. And we're going to price it at 60 because we got to be able to make money back on this. How it performs is up to you. Of course, they'd never say that, but you know, I would be much happier in my opinion, buying a Days Gone 2 with a restricted budget at $70 or whatever it be and get, knowing I'm getting something that's different and unique and interesting to me or even a new Twisted Metal game, something interesting, or a new IP even, something small that you tell, hey, this is a team that you know 100 people made this. We're pricing it here because we got to make money on it, but yep. this is a... This is a project. That's what I would like, but a the Vin reality Ribbon of those remaster. two things can't ever happen. Huh? Yeah, I said a Vin Ribbon remaster. Vin Ribbon remaster for $60. Bang, bang. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm suddenly just mad at Sony, Yeah, I'm but not- they've been putting me in a position lately where I've been disappointed in them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like the parent. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And that's, I don't want people to think I'm mad. <laughs> I may sound emotional when I talk about this kind of stuff, but it's because I like Sony. And, and as we've said a hundred times before, we like Everybody, we like Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, but we will call them out when they make dumb decisions or decisions we don't necessarily like or agree with. And that's kind of what this episode has been about is the critique of this. Now, this may come out as nothing, not not true at all. Jason Schreier. We may still get days gone too. Just that pitch got 
canned and there's another pitch going. Yeah. Who knows? And and that could be outdated information or after the reception of this that it could of uh, you know, criticism like what we've talked about. It could restore spark, the Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah, it could restore the, 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 the days gone cut. Like Ben could, you know, come back into play. Re- restore the days gone averse. But uh, most importantly we want to know what you guys thought of all of this. And uh, of course um, you can find us on Discord in the link description, uh, in the link of the description. You can find us on Facebook at Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. It's a group you can ask to be in but we accept everybody um we uh actually brett and chris and them who run it because i don't have a facebook or you can follow us on twitter at triangle sqrd and we always engage in kind of conversation with people and i think that the community's take is one of our favorite ways to do that and of course this community's take is what is your opinions on everything that's happened this week it could be about days gone too it could be about the way that they're handling um the last of us remastered or the way that they handled ben it could be just what is your general reception on the news from this Bloomberg report. Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Keep it short and sweet or get detailed with it. Um, either way, we love, just like we love you guys for checking out this episode. And um, if you truly love us and you like the content, you know what you could do to like it and subscribe it. And I'm not going to go through that whole YouTube spiel <laughs> or anything like that. But remember, but, this show is brought to you. Well, hold on. I'll say if you're on podcast services. Oh, yes. Thank there you. may not always be an easy way on podcast services to share it. But if you can share it with your friends and even word of mouth helps out stuff like this you know we've been going on for five ish years now i think at this point it feels like going on our fourth fourth year so yeah we appreciate everybody who's been here for the ride and even the new people who came in last episode who have never listened to us before because you all are fantastic and um we don't have a sponsor right now except for ourselves and that is patreon.com slash nartech for as little as a dollar a month you can get a cool amount of little benefits like a specified role in our Discord, um, and you get your name at the end of every episode read out live by Brett. Bang. And most importantly, if you're our five dollars tier for a quarter, um, you will get to pick your own custom case that Brett has done, and I've done one of. It's custom case season right now. Actually, people it, are selecting theirs, and you get to select it, and we ship it to you, and you get a cool little custom case, and it can be on your little uh, your background for your podcast if you have one. Shout out, <laughs> shout us out if you have one, um, or it could just be on your game table at home, and it could be cool decorations. But thank you guys for supporting the yes, show. It wouldn't okay. happen without you. And we will see you all back for episode one hundred and eight next week. Have a good weekend. Or actually, this never mind. You know what? It's Monday when this thing comes out. No, have, have a good week. It's Monday. I know the week sucks. Look forward to Friday, and look forward to Brett. With his lovely voice, whispering out you guys' names for patrons. Thank you all. Thank you to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister. He has ended his patronage. Thank you so much for all the months that you have, Eric. Appreciate you. Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Rob Warppoint, and Richard Safer. Thank you all so much. Head over to patreon.com slash nartech if you want to become a patron. Thanks.